This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders on the planet. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Colbran, who is the CEO at New Venture International. Welcome to the show, Andy. Morning, Nick. Good to see you again. Andy, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for some time now. So would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your background and what led you to starting New Venture International? Yes, certainly. So my background has always been on the underwriting side, either with insurers or with MGAs. I did a period in Lloyd's. I've worked for a couple of major insurers, both in the UK and in France. And I left the last insurer to work for Aon, to run Aon's MGA in the UK. So I had 13 years or so of experience running an MGA. And I like the MGA world. I like what it offers and I like the way those businesses can work. But I wanted to create my own business, if you like. So we partnered with Exceedance and that was where New Venture was born, if you like, as an MGA incubator in that space. So we're looking to help founding teams, people who have a desire to to run their own MGA, to stand up those businesses. New Venture is slightly different, if you like, from some other incubators in that we We set up MGAs, but we have a majority stake in those with the minority stake, which is a substantial stake being owned by the founding teams for each of those MGAs. Yeah, fantastic. Really great to hear. Andy, I know you just sort of touched upon it there, but would you mind giving our listeners a little bit more insight as well into the business, what New Venture does as an MGA incubator? Yeah, certainly. So essentially what we want to do is to find founding teams who often led by an individual who has a bit of entrepreneurial fear about them. They have a desire to run their own business, uh, to set up their own MGA. And often that's driven by frustrations with the corporate environment they work in. Um, So they want a bit more freedom, a bit more say, a bit more independence, and the ability to influence the direction of a business. That can be difficult to achieve and can be difficult to find funding for that. Um, So what New Venture provides is both the funding for that business Um, all of the outsourced services that business would require uh, and full support in terms of getting that business up and running so people can then have a degree of independence, run their own MGA, which even though New Venture is a majority shareholder, the founders run the business from day to day with minimal input from New Venture. So people get that real sense of independence, I think. Uh, And also what comes with that is that we, we would agree with the founders a period of time, usually five years, could be seven. Um, and after that period of time, there's a formula, which everyone's aware of. It's a pre-agreed formula, which values a business at that point in time and then pays out to the founding teams. So there's complete transparency in that process. And it creates that, that direct correlation, I think, between the effort and the discipline in building the MGA business and the financial rewards for the founders after that agreed period of time. 
Absolutely. It sounds like incredibly great entrepreneurial opportunity for underwriters, for senior leaders within underwriting teams to, to take that entrepreneurial step you know, with with the full backing of a company like New Venture behind them as well. So it sounds like really interesting opportunity. Andy, as we are in the insurance coffee house today, can I ask you what your go-to coffee of choice is in the morning? Yes, it depends a little bit. If I'm at home, I would big old pot of coffee on uh, very strong and, and have a few of those. If I was out, most likely a double espresso, occasionally a flat white. Key thing for me really is it's got to be strong coffee and it's got to be good coffee. But beyond that, I'm reasonably happy. It's got to be strong. It's got to be good, but you're, you're pretty flexible with that as well. Sounds great. Andy, thank you so much for that. Andy, to kick us off with, I'd like to ask you, how did you break into this C-suite and how did you find that transition from your previous role, which may have been more client-centric, more customer-facing or more technical? Yeah, it's an interesting question, actually. I think the the role I have now is probably my first real C-suite job. My previous role was, as I said, one that I I applied for to to run Ayons MGA in the UK. Yeah. And and I think that was uh, the reason I went for the job is because I wanted more responsibility, more independence. I think in my current role is probably the first role where I really have that. And and it is quite a transition from previous roles because that – the extent to which you need to make your own decisions and stand by those decisions um, is very different from other roles that I've had in the past. Mm. So quite a difficult transition in some respect, um, but a very rewarding transition. It, it is a job, the CEO job is a job I think you need to learn to do and really come uh, naturally to some people, certainly didn't to me. So yeah, over a period of time, a very short period of time, you really need to learn how to what that CEO role is really all about. Fantastic. What would you say has been your biggest achievement in your leadership career today? Yeah, can I give you two examples? Absolutely. Um, so the first one is in my previous role where um, I would, took responsibility for what in reality was a failing business and had to make a decision whether I stuck with it and did something with it or whether I looked elsewhere. So I decided to stick with it. We built a good team. We had a completely new strategy um, for that business. Uh, it did involve having the courage as a, as a new managing director of that business to close down large parts of the business, mm. which had been held on to for far too long. But that was really rewarding, really rewarding in the end after, say, five or six years to have taken a, a failing business to change it quite dramatically and rebuild it very successfully and very profitably that was hugely, hugely rewarding. I think the second biggest achievement is setting up New Venture and launching two MGAs whilst we've all been at home. Part of the time we've been locked down, unable to meet people, doing everything by Zoom, Teams or whatever else. That was really difficult. So career setting stuff, my business is tough anyway, but doing it all from home without the ability to meet people, I found very difficult. Uh, but again, we've achieved it. And looking backwards, it was a very rewarding process. Fantastic. Andy, that's such a great point. I think so many of us now have got so used to working from home, Zoom meetings and that type of way of doing business now. But really, it is such an achievement to launch, start scaling a business during these times without being able to have, have that, that face-to-face contact and just a very different business environment, different economic environment as well. So that really is a fantastic achievement. 
flipping things slightly, have you ever had a time in your career where you maybe overlooked for a position or an opportunity didn't quite go your way? And how did you go about dealing with that? Yes, there's one very clear example which comes to mind where I won't name the company, but I was overlooked for a regional role within the class of business that I was working in. And I have to say, I, I, at the time, I dealt with it really badly. I, I think I was disappointed, probably angry, and probably too angry and disappointed to actually ask the right questions, either, either of myself or of the senior managers in, in the company I was working for. Mm. And I think logically, those questions would be, you know, was I truly considered? Yes or no. If not, why not? You know, if I was considered... What were the factors that led them to conclude I wasn't the right person for that role and, and what do I need to do about it next time around? Mm. But as I said at the time, I think I was too frustrated and angry to ask the right questions. Uh, yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough time, that is, particularly when you're, you're reasonably ambitious and everything and yeah. you want to get on. It's, it's, uh, I think we all probably would look back and can see times where we would have benefited from a little bit of coaching through that kind of um, mm. situation. It's not easy at all. It's a very difficult challenge to deal with. And it's very honest and open of you to say that at the time, it, it may not have been the, the most perfect of reaction, not the textbook reaction that so many people sort of talk about, but it's, it is real life. And we can only learn from those experiences. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure you have as you move forward with your career. And in, in respect of technology now, what a technology are you adopting into the business and how are you implementing that to really help not only your main customers, but also your MGA partners and your, your business partners that you're working with? Yeah, it's, good. it's a good question, Nick, because so my starting point on this is um, looking at it from a new venture perspective is who, who are the customers whose expectations we're looking to exceed. Mm. Um, as an MGA or an incubator of MGAs, I think we have three sets of customers primarily. We have the, the brokers and clients at one end. We have the underwriters in the MGAs we incubate in the middle of that. And then we have capacity providers on, on the other side of it. So they're really our three sets of customers and mm. three sets of customers that need to benefit from the technology, digitization, using data, et cetera, in that underwriting process. So we're fortunate being a strategic partner of Exceedance, we can access Exceedance technology team. They build bespoke IT solutions. Uh, but weekly, we work with ChainNet, which is another Exceedance company. Uh, have you developed a system called BPA, which is beyond policy administration? So primarily, we'll be using the chain that system going forward. So that's a fully API-enabled system where a, any new product, you can configure any new product very quickly on that, on that platform and use internal or external rating engines. It's, it's a very, very flexible system. And so the MGAs that we'll set up, so we've, we've established two already. Oxton is a fully digitized high net worth personal lines proposition to brokers in the UK. Yeah. The second one is focused on the UK care sector, it's called Navanti. And they're both at different, different, different levels of technology enablement, if you like. One's fully digitized, the other one's uh, semi-automated, but will increasingly become automated over time. Mm. One of the key things we want to achieve through this is not only providing a better experience for brokers and, and a better experience for underwriters. For the underwriters, it's really about having them focus on key underwriting tasks where they use their experience and their expertise, not on admin tasks or rather lower value tasks where that, that they should really be doing. But the key thing is for capacity providers. And, and from my experience, 
Capacity providers to MGAs can be at a serious disadvantage. If you think about the usual monthly reporting cycle from the MGA to the capacity provider, that could mean that capacity provider is on risk and committed capital to risk without, and they don't know about that for up to 60 days. And that's a very bad position for a capacity provider to be in. So what we want to achieve, and largely through the use of APIs, is to update insurers immediately when they're on risk so they know it straight away and they haven't got to wait for that that period of time. So that, I think, is an example of how we want to use the technology to improve Mm -hmm. that relationship between the MGA and the capacity providers. Yeah, it sounds like you're really at the the cutting edge of things there and really providing a competitive benefit for for all those different stakeholders that you mentioned there. Just for our listeners so that they're aware, we we have actually done a podcast with Exceedance that went out on our Global InsureTech series earlier this week. So you, you'll be able to go through and have a listen to that as well and find out what technology opportunities and benefits that they're providing to their partners like New Ventures. Well worth listening. So thank you for the hug into that. Andy, looking ahead now, what would you say are the major challenges ahead for insurance executives and how should they be adapting to be successful in these new times? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I look at this as almost an extension of the previous question. In many mm. ways. I mean, think particularly about the London market, but I think it's true elsewhere. There's too much cost in, in the insurance system. It's just too expensive for many organisations. And that, and that has to change. And one of the ways to change that is better use of technology. I think it's very difficult for large insurers to truly embrace entirely new technology because they have huge legacy systems, sometimes multiple legacies, legacy systems. And it's quite difficult to to, to even contemplate just parking that and and taking on something entirely new and different. In the venture, we have the advantage that it's a startup, so we have no legacy. So we can start with technology from day one. But I think truly embracing the benefits of technology, which lots of people talk about and lots of people say they're doing, I, I think is, is really uh, one of the major challenges. The actual ability to do that, uh, I think it's quite difficult for many large organisations. Mm. Yeah, I think a part of that, and, and I think it's um, a realistic opportunity, is for insurers to look to MGAs to help them manage a portfolio and, and to underwrite it differently using different technologies. So, mm. Rather than use their own technology, take advantage of somebody else's technology that um, outsource that work to them. It's interesting, and I think I think I think that's a great point. And I think the MGAs can get a lot of competitive advantage of their bid to market. I know a lot of insure tech businesses, when they're looking to sell their technology or to partner with insurance carriers or MGAs, obviously the insurance carriers are, are normally sort of bigger ticket potential customers for them but the sales cycle is such a long process that actually they working with the mgas or the the very nimble insurance carriers really provides an advantage because they can get get to speed to market that much quicker really start adopting the technology and that can then give you a competitive advantage over over those sort of traditional larger carriers so i think that's really interesting time actually at the moment and hopefully we'll all see the benefits of that as well. Andy brings us nicely on to our espresso round as the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you like a strong coffee, not too fast how it comes out, but are you ready for an espresso now? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. The espresso round. 
Andy, what are the characteristics about New Venture that makes it such a great place to work at? So I would say it is, it's a very entrepreneurial place to work. It's the kind of place where everybody rolls their sleeves up to get stuff done. Nobody's too important to do those kinds of things. Very little politics, well, I'd say almost no politics. I say that because where there are people, sometimes there's an element of politics, but yeah, it's minimal. It's absolutely not corporate. And everyone that we've hired into this business so far, that's been one of the key things for them. It's not a corporate place to work. Mm-hmm. They're asked to write reports that nobody's ever going to read and all that kind of nonsense um, just doesn't exist. So it is really, it's a bunch of people who know their stuff, who are trying to build a business, building new venture and setting up MGAs. And often those people are into going into the MGA world for the first time. Yeah. It's liberating, it's freeing, it, it lacks the politics and the, and the corporate side of things. So people can just focus on building a successful business and achieving the rewards for that over time. Fantastic. This next question really leads on from that. What opportunities can you provide there to high-performing underwriters or insurance professionals who really want to progress their career to that next level? Yes. So I would say if those individuals have that entrepreneurial mindset or an element of that entrepreneurial mindset, wherever it is they're working now, if they can see a way to do it differently, but they're frustrated because they can't achieve that where they work now, maybe that's technology, maybe it's the digitization of their business, the lack of investment in those things, or maybe it is just politics and all the corporate baggage that people have to work Mm -hmm. with. Coming to New Venture means that people really need to understand their stuff in terms of the products or sectors that they're focused on. And we will work with them to, to build a business that achieves all of those things they wanted to achieve over the last few years, but have been frustrated and unable to achieve those. We fund that business. Uh, we provide all of the outsourced services. We provide the technology. They get a share of the equity, if we said already. So it really does give people that opportunity to step out of that perhaps traditional corporate world, step into running their own business from day to day and and the success, if you like, that can come from that. And I think for many of them would view it as they're creating a legacy. They've actually done it themselves. They've built it themselves. They own a share of it. There's that real sense of ownership and achievement, I think, that can come with that. It sounds like incredibly entrepreneurial opportunity and it sounds like i'm sure a lot of senior people from underwriting teams and from insurance carriers would be very interested in an opportunity like that particularly at the moment where the world is certainly moving more entrepreneurial people do want to have that opportunity to build something for themselves and for their team what are the skills what are the behaviors that you demand when partnering with an mga and partnering with a team like that so the key thing is the, the individual or the team's knowledge, their in-depth knowledge of the product and the sector. So mm-hmm. one of the things we want to achieve is, is to, to rethink, to, to, to reimagine, if you like, it's a bit overused phrase, but reimagine that underwriting and rating process uh, and how that is distributed through brokers and, and the relationship with insurers. So all of that needs to be rethought MGA by MGA. And, and we can't do that without that in-depth underwriting expertise otherwise we just have credibility with capacity providers so that's the first thing and the other thing i think is the willingness and perhaps the ability more around the willingness of those individuals to work through that process with us one thing we don't want to do in new venture is to, to set up an mj that simply does what everyone else does in the market around those products that would be 
But it wouldn't be something we would do. I wouldn't consider it a failure because we wouldn't do it in the first place. Um, so it's got to be differentiated. And the key way to differentiate it is to rethink that entire process. And we've done that twice with the first two MGAs set up. We're, we're working on that with a third MGA now. So it's really the willingness to, to rethink the entire process and work with us on, and go on that journey. And the third thing, I think, is the individual's personal values. I mean, it's very important to us. And thinking about it from a capacity provider's perspective is just one perspective. But integrity and transparency are absolutely key to the relationship we build with capacity providers. And put that in the context of an MGA without capacity providers doesn't have a business. So we, we need to have that, that right relationship with capacity providers. And that's a relationship based on trust. There are long, complicated agreements and, and contracts, et cetera, with capacity providers. But what it really comes down to is a relationship of trust and acting with integrity, being transparent with capacity providers um, is key to building that relationship of trust. Um, and frankly, not everyone can do that. It's not everyone's, doesn't, not everyone has the ability to do that. So uh, part of our process of working through with founding teams is to understand where they're coming from, from those key perspectives. Fantastic, Andy. Really great answer. Andy, what would you say is the largest challenge you face or have faced so far when attracting talent? And what can be the, the biggest frustrations with that recruitment process of those new teams? Yeah, I think the largest challenge has been uh, reaching the right people, uh, or enough of the right people. I think that's been our biggest challenge. Uh, any number of conversations with potential founding teams Looking back, I, I wish some of those had been filtered before I, I spent too much time talking to those individuals. And that's not intended to be disrespectful for those, to those individuals, but um, it isn't a good use of time in any recruitment process to be spending a lot of time talking to people who aren't really going to fit in the organisation. So that's probably been my biggest challenge. Work, working with you on this, I think, is ideal for us because I think we provide that filter I think you understand the business. So having somebody who represents us on that recruitment side, I think is going to be really beneficial over time. Absolutely. And I think this podcast is a great way of getting over to the market, exactly what you're doing there and the opportunities that you have. Andy, if there are insurance executives out there considering their next move or opportunity at the moment, what would your advice be to them? Yeah, so I would say if, if a move they're considering is setting up an MGA, then, and, and again, I, it goes back to the many conversations I've had with people. Lots of people are, it would seem, considering it. I think people need to think it through because running an MGA isn't for everyone. It kind of feels like, probably feels like a great opportunity for many. But when you dig into it, there's quite a lot to it. And it does mean running your own business. It does mean doing lots of the things which, as an underwriter in a big organisation, you don't need to do because somebody else will do that. There is that whole responsibility and accountability thing, which is much, much clearer, I think, in the MGA model, particularly in our model. So I think people really need to think through whether the MGA piece is right for them or not. They are taking some risks in going that route, not a financial risk, but they are taking some risks because of that kind of change. And the other thing I would say is if people who are thinking about it, then start to write a business plan. I can, I can remember 20-something years ago having a conversation with a colleague about setting up an MJ, and all we ever did was talk about it. 
I think had we written the business plan and started the process, then that starts to gain momentum and you start to actually get somewhere with it. And through that process, determine whether it's really the right solution for those individuals or for us at the time. So I think starting it down, having conversations with people like myself, perhaps, or you, is a very good next step to actually bring it to life or not, determine whether it's right or not. Uh, Andy, I think that's a great point that you make there about getting down those ideas into writing, really start thinking about them deeply. And as you would during your your own business or or your own work, weighing out the positives and the the negatives, what you need to to make that plan work rather than just having those ideas and conversations sort of floating around in your head. It's it's great to get that down on paper and then start speaking to people, like you say, like, uh, like yourself, like us, to see how we can take that and turn that into a real opportunity for you. Andy, we've almost reached the end of our time today in the insurance coffee house. Before we go, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about contacting you after the show? Yeah, I guess the one piece of close advice is is in many ways similar to the last the answer to the last question. You know, if people are looking at the MGA model, then start to have those conversations, to explore it, try to understand the what it actually means to work in an MGA or to run an MGA. So really get into that in detail. By all means, anyone can contact me directly by email, andy.colbrand at newventure.com. I think many will come via you, I would think, Nick. But yeah, by all means, get in contact. We'd love to love to talk to you. And even if you haven't written a business plan, we'd still love to talk to you. We will just encourage people to truly understand what it means to, to run and work in an MGA versus a, a large corporate insurer or reinsurer. Great. Thank you so much for that, Andy. And we'll be sure to post your contact details along with our own ones there in the show notes so people can just click straight through whilst they're listening to this and we can start some conversations. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the Insurance Coffee House and I'm sure our listeners would have gained a lot of value, a lot of insight, a lot of learnings from from what you've had to say today. That's great. Thanks very much, Nick. Really enjoyed it. Andy, thank you so much. Pleasure was all ours. To all the insurance business leaders out there, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for joining us today. And like I say, I'm sure you would have learned a lot from what Andy has had to say today. If you do enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the show so that you receive each one of our podcast episodes into your app each week. Until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley and this has been the Insurance Coffee House. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.